0: you just
1: take the jackpot. Otto Octavius was weak.
0: Call me Dr.
1: Octopus. From, from Lord. Lord, we're poison, poison to Peter, Peter Parker, Parker. And Spider-Man, we Venom! The Green
2: Goblin doesn't take orders from insects. The Green Goblin swaps them into oblivion! It's a conspiracy, I tell ya! They're all working together!
1: To raise my blood pressure!
0: Tell me there's something better. Go ahead.
3: Try.
1: Welcome back, Spectacular friends and clone heads. For those of you who listen to CSC, we're... welcome to the latest episode of Spectacular Radio. I'm your host, Greg Mashansky, and once again, Zach is not with us. He was uh, killed in action going after Vladimir Putin because he was creating <laughs> rhinos over there. Continuity! <laughs> <laughs> And joining us is um, the host of um, Mayday Mondays, Gerard De La Tour. In
2: Soviet Russia, President assassinates you!
1: And our good friend, Jesse Garrett.
3: Good evening you, our friends.
1: Yeah, so um, we're going to talk about Catalyst, but before that, since I guess it is on topic, let's talk about Sony and Sp- Spider-Man, and I think Gerard has the most to say here, so Gerard, I'll let you steer
2: this. (laughs) (laughs) Why would you assume that I have the most to say about this? Is it because I have a blinding hatred of the current series of movies that they're producing? Um, Okay, so in case anybody's been living under a rock or has one of those moral things where they don't want to listen to news that was leaked because, oh my god, won't someone think of the children? Uh, The news came out that Sony was uh, pretty deep in negotiations at one point with uh, handing over Spider-Man back to Marvel in some sort of weird 60-40 split, where they would co-produce the next film. I I missed... Who was the 60 in the 60-40? Was it Disney?
1: No, I think it was still Sony. Okay,
2: and and the, what the negotiations fell apart, because Disney wanted to have some measure of creative control over the film whereas uh, Sony wanted to maintain complete creative control, at which point Disney rightfully said, okay, then why are we putting 40% of our money into this? To hell with you! (laughs) Get lost! And uh, when this leaked out, it was uh, uh, quite a splash, should we say, among Spider-Man fans, because it indicated a willingness that Sony may be admitting that this current series of films is somewhat of a fiasco, and they're trying to to wash their hands of it somewhat.
1: At this point, it seems like all Marvel and Disney have to do is wait to lowball an offer to buy the whole thing back.
2: Uh, haven't I been advocating that very thing since the summer?
1: <laughs> yes, you have, my friend. Yes, you have. Uh,
2: it w- and I don't know the time frame of these negotiations, but uh, presumably it was after Amazing Spider-Man Two came out and somewhat disappointed at the box office. May have even been unprofitable. We don't know yet. Because well, the weird be thing. It's the
1: weird. Ho- sorry. Hollywood has magic numbers. You never know mm-hmm. what's profitable or what isn't. I mean, for years, New Line and, and then Warner Brothers, when they brought New Line, tried to claim that the Lord of the Rings made no money. I mean, hell,
2: David Prowse doesn't get royalty checks for Return of the Jedi because George Lucas keeps telling him Return of the Jedi is unprofitable,
1: which is one of the most laughable things I've
2: heard in my life.
1: Wow. so I mean, so with Lord of the Rings, the third movie alone made over a billion dollars at the box office.
2: <laughs> See, but what, the weird thing about these studio economics, and Greg, you know this very well, is that with, oh, with yeah. the movie, with the studio tent poles, they don't just count on those to make profits in and of themselves. They need to cover the losses of all their other movies. Mm-hmm. So, and especially Sony, because they they have almost nothing else in their stable, right?
1: Yeah, well, Sony's going to make a lot of good money off of the interview based on, uh, let's be honest, based on what turned out to be a bunch of bullshit.
2: <laughs> they made more money because of this whole hacking thing than they would have made if it just released. Yeah,
1: it. but we know but we know North Korea didn't do it.
2: Hey, I'm back. <laughs> do they even have the internet in North Korea? <laughs> okay, I'm sorry,
1: I was too easy. Uh, but,
2: I don't know, to me, whenever I hear news about this kind of thing, it, it makes me somewhat, if I was Andrew Garfield I'd be pretty scared right now <laughs> because, let's be honest whenever somebody, if Sony was confident in the product they were putting out they wouldn't have been negotiating in the first place
1: yeah, it's not his fault all the problems no, of with this thing not. have nothing to do with him, I think he's a good actor, I think he plays the character fine, I just think he deserves better movies than it so
2: Right. It, it, it's the whole uh, argument of when do you begin to negotiate a ceasefire if you're having a war with somebody the fact that you even come to the table is somewhat of an admission of defeat. Uh, and yeah. Sony's in the same situation where they basically, public, now that it's out, they've damn near publicly admitted defeat on the Spider-Man movies. They've put the, the spin off films into limbo. We don't even know if the third Amazing Spider-Man will ever happen because it got pushed back two years.
1: This is called in the business development hell.
2: <laughs> oh, but see, the problem is it's a hell of their own making.
3: Yeah, it is. <laughs> and and what's funny is that uh, there's been so much other stuff like leaked out with this. Like, I think uh, this month, or the, I think January of 2015, they're supposed to have the Spider Conference or whatever. And it's been confirmed that Kevin Feige is going to be there, right? Wasn't that some of the, one of the Sony leaks? So we don't know if Marvel's still open to negotiations or what. And then, of course, a lot of people are jumping to conclusions saying that even if Marvel – did co-produce this that it would automatically be included into the Marvel Cinematic Universe I think it I would No guarantee that it would
2: Oh I bet Sony would love that <laughs> Because oh, that that increases their profits quite a bit, because it generates more interest. I
1: know, I know there was talk about putting Spider-Man into the next Captain America movie. In one way or another, I'm kind of glad that didn't happen because I don't want Spider-Man introduced to the MCU in this.
2: Well, when the news leaked out, I can't remember if it was you, Greg. It was talking on Facebook about uh, uh, the negotiations and whether or not they're going to return to go back to this. And I said the fact that it leaked out publicly now and the way the public reacted to it, Both companies have to be aware that people want this to happen very badly now. So if I was them, I'd go back to the negotiating table immediately and hammer this out right now.
1: From what I've heard, Sony Japan, which is really owns the whole thing, wants them to. It's really Sony's Hollywood division that's dragging their feet on this. I mean, it makes
2: sense. Sony Japan is just bleeding money. Outside of PlayStation, they don't make money on anything. Their TVs are failures. Their MP3 players are failures. Their phone business is a failure. Their movie business is a failure. (laughs)
1: Which is a shame, because it used to be so good. Uh, My uncle doesn't buy anything electronic that isn't Sony. He's the only man I know who held onto a beta, pl- beta
3: player for
1: <laughs> ten years. He did. This is a true story. Yeah. He did.
2: I mean, the the, the the Sony's attempt to create and to push three D televisions has completely imploded the company. And so, any cash revenue stream. I mean, I bet they would love it if they could sell Spider Man's rights back to Disney outright. If they
1: c- oh this is this isn't a lowball. Of
2: course, well, especially after Amazing Spider-Man two, why the hell would they want to pay for it? It's it's a war of attrition. You just sit back and you let Sony continue to lose tons and tons and tons and tons of money. And every quarter when they when they see all the red numbers coming in and they're they're pulling their hair out, wondering oh my god the sky is falling. Every time that happens, the price of getting Spider-Man back goes down for Disney.
3: See, I do hope that if it does go back, I would love for them to keep Garfield. That's the only thing I think that they should keep?
2: Oh, there's no way in hell that's happening.
3: <laughs> Sorry, Jesse. See, I don't I mean, know why, though. I, I, I don't know I, I, what, I, what would cause that. Uh, ego.
2: If you just bought something with the you know, X amount of dollars, you wanted to make it yours now. Completely. Okay, so say, Shit, like, in theory,
3: you think they buy the rights to Wolverine without asking Hugh Jackman to come back to it?
2: That's a little different situation, though. Because the has only been played on screen by one actor, whereas where had Spider-Man's more Yeah, you've had a couple of so different Spideys already.
3: Yeah, actually, that does bring up another point. Did, I, I don't know where this rumor came out. It came out on a left field, but oh, did you hear the rumor that they want Tobey Maguire back?
2: Oh, that's crap. Don't even, <laughs> somebody probably just made that up to get some
1: hits.
3: That's that's yeah. what I, that's what I had. I was reading some article and I was like, wait, what? I I don't, I don't think, I don't think Maguire, he would do. No. I don't think he would
1: either. No. <laughs> I
3: mean, granted, his career hasn't gone anywhere since then, but.
1: So what is he now? Fifty? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was he thirty-eight.
3: I think something like that. I can't remember.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, he's too old to play Spider-Man, according to Marvel.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, that's yeah. That was what I read. That they want to go with a different approach. And I was like, okay, I oh, don't believe be they do that.
1: Yeah, neither do I. Neither do I. I mean, I, honestly, at this point, I don't know who I would want to play him. But um, I mean, I'm. I liked Garfield as the character. I just wish he had better material to work with. I think if he'd given him a perfect Superman script, he would have nailed it. But um, again, he didn't write the script. I mean, uh, and I don't think he's being paid all that much to do this. But I have no idea. So,
2: yeah, unfortunately, he's not in the situation McGuire was in.
1: No, he's not. Which was
2: I think they only had Toby for one movie, and then they had to yeah. renegotiate after the first one. So he took him to the bank, of
1: course. Mm-hmm. Especially
2: in the interim time when Seabiscuit came out, it was also a huge hit.
1: Uh, yeah. Different story. I don't know if she mentioned it yet, but our podcast good friend and contributor Jennifer L Anderson nearly ran over Tony McGuire with her car while he was filming Sea Biscuits. <laughs> Why am I
2: not surprised?
1: I'll have her tell that story next time we record together. <laughs> if she hasn't already, I'll double check. But okay, and um, I'm also of the opinion: in a perfect world, and sadly, perfect worlds don't exist, Disney Marvel would have had the movie rights, and Sony would have kept the TV rights.
2: <laughs> so where we'd currently be on what like season eight of spectacular it is ironic the
3: that, Met. <laughs> it's ironic that we don't want Marvel to have the rights to the animation but everybody wants them to have the rights to their live action
1: well because their TV department is a complete clusterfuck
3: <laughs>
2: see, see at this point they've already generated a, a track record of the, in the movies that's good it's not spotless, of course, because, you know, the Incredible Hulk exists. <laughs> and those two Thor, hey, movies, like were, movie. those two, two Thor movies were kind of crap, But at least in my opinion. But the point is that they have way more hits than they have misses. So I think at this point, especially right in this exact moment where they're at the height of their power, so to speak. I think now would be the time where they could probably make it work the best. Because yeah. let's be honest, this is like we're sitting on top of a huge bubble that's on the verge of bursting at any moment.
1: I mean, they're going to have to do something after Infinity War, I mean, because after Infinity War it looks like the heroes are having I mean, movies are the second stringers.
2: Uh, not to mention Robert Downey Jr. isn't getting any younger.
1: No, they're gonna keep him as long as they can, and I don't even know how much longer that is. He's doing Iron, he's doing Captain America three, he's doing both Infinity War movies, and I think that's it.
3: Yeah. Well, yeah, but he was supposed, to – what was it, uh Avenger? Originally, Iron Man three was supposed to be it. And then he signed for the Avengers, and now yeah, Cap two, Cap three. I mean.
1: Yeah, I understand he took a pay cut for Avengers two so that his co stars would get raises. Who
3: knows. That's what I heard. I think injecting Spider-Man into the MCU would, would be kind of one thing to to top it and take it to another level than what it is now because it's already huge. Yeah, but
1: I would also wait until after Infinity War is over because that's the big finale towards what they've been building up from the beginning. This whole huge conflict with Thanos. After that, I mean, it'll be Doctor Strange, Captain Marvel. Well, have they
3: announced any films after Phase Three? In humans. That's, oh, that is okay. I thought that was Phase Three. Or is that,
1: it, or is that Phase Three? I don't know. But that, those are the characters who are going to get sequels up after this, because and they're going to want a bigger name. And Spider-Man coming in after this whole th- big thing with Thanos, where everyone else sort of rides off into the sunset, is how I would handle it.
3: Yeah, I mean, at that point, it's almost like a soft reboot. Because i honestly yeah. I wouldn't, I don't want Spider. I, I don't, I wouldn't like the idea of Spider-Man being introduced to the Marvel Universe so late in the game. And beat the unless he, so, unless he
2: anchors the next phase of movies because we're just talking about how scary it would be to have a Marvel universe without Robert Downey Jr. and
1: that, Captain America. Or,
3: there you go. Yeah, if you have a Spider-Man, there's there's yeah. the big bullet in your gun.
1: In the meantime, but has Spider-Man ever I,
3: been that good? Like on the Avengers in the books, he's always just kind of there. No, he's, he's not anything. Really yeah.
1: Oh my
2: god!
3: I, <laughs> I was sitting there waiting
0: for somebody to notice.
3: Yep, but yeah, a blind uh, a blinded, a, a
1: blinded, there was a blinded flash of light. He had survived his encounter with the Balrog He had survived his encounter with Vladimir Putin. It is Joiner the White.
2: We <laughs> <laughs> were making Lord of the Rings related jokes about your demise earlier. <laughs>
1: Zach, you oh, got was got Gandalf,
0: Gandalf? And,
1: Yes, you got to yeah, you got to be Gandalf enjoy it.
0: Hey, at least I'm being played by Sir Ian McKellen.
1: Yeah, you're, so you're, you get to be Magneto, also.
0: I get yeah, I get to be Magneto, which is which is not a bad not a bad uh, trade off. And you got yeah, go to go war doing? with Putin.
1: Yeah, how are you doing, Zach?
0: Uh, I am tired. I am worn out, but I am okay.
1: Yeah, we were just we just finished the um, invisible hand earlier. Oh, by the way, listeners, we've recorded these things back to back. We were we were just about to talk about catalysts. Yay. Did you watch it?
0: <laughs> uh, uh, this is the Green Goblin episode.
1: So yes, yes. I've it. yes. Excellent, Definitely. excellent. Is there anything more I want to say about the whole Sony-Disney leak? <laughs>
0: Zach's probably wondering why the hell we were just talking about that. No <laughs> don't know. I mean, it's, it's 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 relevant. I think we're learning a lot more about the Disney-Marvel relationship uh, now, and even what it was back in back – when this show was being produced. I mean it's 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 been a strained relationship to say the least. Um given that Ava Rat is still um in charge now at Sony and that given that he bastard. was once charged <laughs> <that> <laughs> we'll see was, how, so we'll see for how long with all
2: this stuff coming out. Uh he'll,
0: you know it's it's kind of funny cuz he was in charge of Marvel Studios before Kevin Jake took over and now he's over at Sony. This whole Sony business is is it's boggling to me, but you know, I've read a bunch of the clickbaity stuff that's been going around, and like I've like I think I said this on Facebook a couple weeks ago on my personal Facebook that until I see something more concrete, it's just rumors, and you can't,
3: yeah.
0: um, you can't. I mean, we can sit there and speculate all day, but we and we we are more privy to the information about how the relationship with marvel and sony works now thanks to these leaks we were even a year ago but it's always been contentious because spider-man is their number one character i mean Mm -hmm. for god's sake it was on it was on the masthead for (laughs) the character was was the face of the company for 30 40 years and and now it's not And And I imagine
1: Marvel and Disney would love to have their flagship character there. And as I was saying, after this whole thing with Thanos is over, the movies are going to be headlined as sequels to second Stranger movies. Doctor Strange, Captain Marvel, the Inhumans, etc. They're going to want a bigger name to be a face for this and that Spider-Man.
3: Yeah. I think they have a better relationship with Sony than they do Fox. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh
2: well, I mean, Fox is just doing everything in their power to screw Disney at this point. So,
1: um, yeah, Victor von Doom, hacker. Oh, uh, uh, the, this. On the
0: Fantastic purpose. Four reboot. The, fa- the Fantastic Four reboot is just. <sighs> there hasn't been any good buzz out of this thing. The, does it, a, is anybody even aware it's coming out
2: this year? Yeah.
1: <laughs> like this movie's coming out
2: in like six months. <laughs> like, are people even aware of that? I mean, that I don't that's, think it's actually that...
1: going to come out. You, you might see a trailer, just like we saw for the Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie, but
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: which ironically actually
2: has a pretty decent script if you've seen it.
1: Oh God!
0: Well, in the I mean, for the time period that it was re- done, it, it, the, the costumes are actually pretty good. No, come on,
1: stop it! Don't be silly. Oh, it do well, look better in that than they did in the two Fox movies.
0: Let's go for a I spin. Did... Sorry, every time somebody mentions those movies, I have to.
3: Yes.
0: Yeah, I mean the thing, the thing kind of looks goofy, but I mean again, you gotta take into account it is 1992.
2: He is also a giant orange rock monster, so I
0: think looking goofy is part of the deal. Yep. Clobbering
2: top. Looks better than a than the crumpled up tinfoil Doctor Doom that is in the leaked images. Oh God.
0: Looks like yeah, that don't even ugh.
2: please tell me you're gonna CGI that fuck.
0: Please. <laughs> I don't know. I mean it, it just it looks like it just looks horrible. And and Well you like can say I it looks this,
3: horrible. We've seen nothing of it.
0: Well, I mean of the leaked images we've seen of Doom, that looks horrible.
3: But well, you know, yeah, until we see a trailer. Yeah, I'm holding off judgment until a trailer, but. I mean, it's probably false.
1: Based on what we've been told about Doom in this thing, it's kind of. I mean, Doom is tailor made for the movies. I mean, he's a dictator of his own country. He's got magic. He's got robots. He's got a time machine. Why can't the movie studios play with this shit? He can do anything with him. (laughs) Uh,
0: Okay, okay. Darth Vader, the basis of Darth Vader is Victor Von Doom. Yep, yeah, pretty much. How can you screw that up? (laughs) I mean. You take all the best parts of of Vader, you put it in doom, you add a you add a you know the magical aspect. i mean there, there's so much you could have done, and I actually liked julian McMan or yeah Julian McManus was the name uh the disc Yes yeah. I actually liked, I actually liked him as an actor, and I thought, well, you know he kind of looks the part with the with the face shield and but the script was just so awful in both films.
2: Hey, you know, I got to be honest, I kind of like the second one.
0: I'll say the second I one's a much of... better movie. Well, yeah, because the second one th- – th- here's the thing, and I think this is why I've been, uh, uh, Incredible Hulk worked so well. They didn't <laughs>
2: – I just spent the last, like, 20 minutes talking shit about that
0: movie. <laughs> well, well, one of the things I liked about Incredible Hulk is it didn't take you through the origin through half the movie. It took you through the origin of the first five minutes with the credits sequence.
2: Yeah, exactly. that's because everybody. That, no, but that's because everyone knows the origin of the Incredible Hulk because they've seen it on TV in the seventies, eighties, nineties, and in a film that was released only five years earlier. Yeah.
1: At New York Comic Con 2010, I was there at a panel that Defalco did with did with uh, Kevin Cushion, from some of us he used to podcast with, and um, we were there. And Defalco at one point was talking about the movies, and he said he doesn't need to see the Fantastic Four's origin, and we just run over the opening credits, and then hey, let's go fight Doctor Doom. Right, right. I mean, I, honestly, the way I would do this is that I wish Marvel would get the rights back. And Doom's origins a pretty big story. in itself.
0: if this goes as badly as everybody thinks it's going to go, there's no question Marvel's getting the rights back yeah. because they're going to expire.
2: But it won't have, see. But the problem is we don't know the details. I'm assuming it refresh, refreshes the clock because they just made another movie.
3: Well, Marvel will get the rights back, but it
2: won't be another four or
3: five years, right? But isn't that the exact same reason they were rushing a new Daredevil movie into production and didn't get made? And isn't that the reason they made the original Fantastic Four in 92?
1: Yep. I think – yeah, that 94,
3: is. 94, by but, the way. But, yeah. 94,
1: but if it were – yeah, but if it were up to me, the way I would do this, especially with Doom's story being so big, if they ever do get the rights back and don't tie Doom's origin to the FFs, don't have them go up there with them. Do a separate Doctor Doom movie that sort of leads into it. Then do an FF movie where they fight him. Like have Doom – you can base it on the, or, the Kirby origin books of Doom, whatever. You can have a built-in villain for that, Mephisto.
2: Right. I mean, you, yeah, but, you've, you've probably heard me argue a million times. If you want to do the Fantastic foreign movies, make it a 60s period piece. How cool would that be? It would make it unique yeah. right off the bat because they have no, no such superhero movies exist. And
0: then you could do – then you Ant could use Man. Doom's time machine to bring them to First the present class. Yeah, yeah I kind of I mean, like that idea too. Do a 60s period piece and then you have them flash forward to the present day with, with the time machine aspect. Sure,
2: you can do anything. I guess the point is that you you run the risk of with all these superhero movies, it starts getting a little too samey. Yeah, Especially right. since 90% of them are taking place in the same universe. Right. Yeah, you can you know, differentiate it a little bit, and that would help. Yeah. You know what, wouldn't <laughs> Anyway, it? Making Dr. Doom a computer hacker
1: <laughs> with crumpled up tinfoil for
2: armor. Anyway. No, make,
1: make Dr. Doom the Vladimir Putin of the MCU. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Better idea, make Vladimir Putin the Vladimir Putin of the MCU. <laughs> yes. Why the hell
0: not? I will blow up your Death Star. I mean, I yeah,
1: unla- yeah. Un- unlike Kim Jong-un, Vladimir Putin actually has internet access.
2: <laughs> of course, where else would he p- post all those awesome pictures of him tackling bears and
0: fishing without a shirt on? Because, <laughs> you know, he's only 5'4", or some shit like that. What do you imply? Really? Yeah, he's he's very short.
1: I did not know that. Well, that's. Just, <laughs> just, okay. I'm
0: sitting
2: here thinking, isn't Jesse five foot four?
1: He's got very good photographers then.
2: <laughs>
1: but anyway, uh, I'm right, five,
2: five Oh, sorry.
1: <laughs> All right. well
2: <laughs> either way, he's taller than Jason, who's approximately four foot eight. Yeah, he's he's a midget, though, so... You know. <laughs> he's not going <good> to like that.
1: <laughs> oh, like Jason listens to this podcast. Every
2: time I make fun of his height, I creep the height downward slightly, so it's, he gets
3: shorter and <laughs> time we the joke. He's the incredible shrieking yeah,
1: kid. Jason, we love you, if he's, you're listening, which I know man. you're not. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Jason, if, if you're listening, we love you, but we know you're not. <laughs> <laughs>
2: now, after that 20-plus minute tangent...
1: All right, time to talk about why... We're all here to begin with. Um, let me pull up my... Okay, here it is. Catalysts. On the night of Midtown High's fall formal, Harry Osborn arrives at this date. Glory, Glory Grant and some of the football team, along with their dates, in a stretch limo. When Gwen tries to greet him, he ignores her and goes on his way, because he's such a good, loyal friend, that Harry. <laughs> Soon, Peter arrives and stuns everyone, everyone on this date. Mary Jane Watson, who who he introduces to the group. Flash Thompson tries to ruin the date by mentioning the bet he and Peter had. Mary is unscathed by the idea of the bet and tells Flash he hopes he has legs for the cheerleader outfit. Harry, then... then...
2: <laughs> I'm sorry, Just I, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking Flash having the legs for a cheerleader outfit. Oh, I'm thinking oh, of him oh. in the comics now.
1: <laughs> oh, 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 no. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs>
2: Hey, you know what? Why is it actually a issue with Flash without Lex? So there you go. It, it oddly comes together somehow.
1: Yeah, it does. It does. And hey, Okay, Harry goes off to get some punch and over here's Glory getting back together with Kenny, looking dashing in his tuxedo t-shirt.
0: <laughs> don't tell me you don't have one of those. I don't. <laughs> uh, I, I don't either, there, Gerard, because you know. Oh, uh, because uh, I sure don't.
1: Oh, let me tell you something. I've, have you, I've seen photographs of Josh Keaton's wedding. He got married in a tuxedo t-shirt. <laughs> nice.
3: <laughs>
1: really, really. <laughs> he is, Harry is mortified and runs to his locker he drinks a vial of a green formula called Globulin Green. Ooh. It's a
2: lie. It's actually ecto-cooler. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I've missed that stuff. Meanwhile, meanwhile, a mysterious and psychotic supervillain called the Green Goblin breaks into Oscorp late at night, and in front of Dr. Octavia steals Oscorp's tech flight glider. After modifying the glider into a more demonic visage, the goblin flies off and attacks a group of thieves who are working for the big man. He uses stolen money as incentive for them to come work for him, and they accept. Now armed and with personal henchmen, he crashes and holds up a black-tie dinner party orchestrated by L. Thompson Lincoln. Lincoln is unimpressed and takes his guards in the Goblin and his pumpkin heads, but they are defeated easily. Air Force Colonel John Jameson, having accompanied his father, Jonah Jameson to the party, tries to fight them as well, but is taken down. Peter is contacted by the Daily Bugle to go take photographs of the holdup at the party, and is forced to leave MJ, who understands as it is his shop. Peter arrives at the party and as, as Spider-Man, where he is greeted by Lincoln. At first, Spider-Man thinks Goblin is simply working for the big man, but it's confirmed otherwise. Goblin tries to convince Peter to... J- no, Spider-Man, he doesn't know he's Peter, to join him, but is turned down and the two proceed to fight. Spider-Man shoots a web at the Goblin's Collider and is immediately defenestrated. Yay, big word.
2: Boo! Damn this episode for ruining that word that I like to use around people so they don't know what I'm talking about. It's
1: just like the <laughs> Avengers
2: ruined the word quim. Which I used to use frequently, you. now I can't do it
1: anymore. You in quim. Because everybody
2: bro. knows what it means now. It's like, damn it. <laughs>
1: His web fluid is out, but he refuels and is pursued through the streets by the Green Goblin. He finally defeats the goblin, wrapping him in web goblin taunts that he left a bomb hidden back at the event. When Spider Man returns to find it, John Jameson opts that the bomb is hidden in the chandelier as the crowd evacuates, leaving Spidey and Tombstone to search for it. Spidey retrieves it, launches the bomb into the sky where it explodes, and he is applauded by Tombstone, who sees the irony in Spidey doing what he would have paid him to do for free. However, when Spider Man goes back to capture the goblin, he has mysteriously disappeared. Back at the dance, Harry's group is outside and take the assumption that they, they have been abandoned by Harry because he has not shown up. In actuality, Harry is hiding in an alley near them and takes another drink out of his cool XL cooler before walking off. <laughs> Soon after, Peter returns to find a dance almost abandoned, except for MJ, who is dancing with another boy. Downtrodden, he is reassured when MJ walks up to him and tells him she saved the last dance for him. Aww. And that's Catalysts. Again, Jesse, since you're the newbie to this show, what are your impressions about this episode?
3: I liked it for the most part, um, except for the Green Goblin stuff.
1: Oh, you didn't like the Goblin action? No,
3: well, it seemed, it seemed very familiar to what I'd seen before. It seems like it harkens back to the Raimi films a lot.
2: Oh, the whole thing where he tries to get Spider-Man to join him is right now. <laughs> except that, without uh, the laughable staging.
3: Yeah,
1: oh yeah. (laughs) Without the laughable stage, and then the fact that their masks can actually emote.
3: There's that, there's the whole, uh, you know, he gets like, I think a a very similar cut to what he got in the film. (laughs) And he even calls him the Emerald Elf, which is a line from the Spider-Man 1 video game.
1: Oh yeah! Which I guarantee you, Wiseman has not played, because he's not a gamer.
2: (laughs) Josh Keaton was the voice of Spider-Man, except that he wasn't. Yes, he was,
1: yeah. There you go, but I'm. Um, Emerald elf is an obvious insult, so, so we're gonna let that to to Oh yeah, elf
3: no, no, no I'm not, yeah, I'm <laughs> definitely not saying. It, but it's like that. That added to the to familiar, familiar, familiarity with that. Right. Uh, everything uh, that you've uh, done for them, eventually they will
2: hate
1: you. Goblin never says that throughout the course of the entire series.
2: <laughs> Good. Go on, man. I'm sorry, I watched Clear and Present Danger the other day, and Willem Dafoe was in that, and I just kept laughing every time he was on screen.
1: <laughs> That's funny, I watched Platoon the other day, and I kept laughing every time Willem Dafoe was Vietnam, Jesus
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Willem Dafoe, I just can't unsee it now.
3: I'm sorry, Jesse. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the Goblin... Um... I did like the scenes I, – I like the scenes of him by himself when he's not with Spider-Man because that's a lot of stuff we don't – I guess I haven't seen before. I haven't seen in, in any of the films, him kind of gathering his, his troops up and him just being an overall like threatening presence at the party. Like We get to see him off of the glider for a little bit, which is always cool. I always enjoy seeing that, and we figure out that's where he hides the bomb, which is which is a nice little bit of foreshadowing. I do have a question about Jameson or John Jameson though. I'm not very familiar with the Air Force, but do they make do they make astronauts? Like what?
2: Um in the, the early in the early part of the space program, yes. Because they they just yeah. needed people that were pilots. So the the space program was actually part of the air force. And then after a while they decommissioned it and made the made it a civilian
3: Organization. That's what I so I, I guess it's yeah, just but, a throwback to his origin, right? Yeah,
1: but I could, also, I could also see John Jameson making that career change as well.
3: But, but I mean, the, but
2: it also is the fact that when the comics first introduced him, I think the the military may have still had at least partial control. I can't yeah, remember in when
0: sixty in the sixties, yeah, because I mean, John Jameson's first appearance was actually issue number one of Amazing. Right. So I think um, I
2: think they changed over in the late fifties. Don't quote me on that, but considering it's Stanley, he probably just goofed up and thought it was still. Well, I mean,
0: and okay, let's, let's be honest. If if John Jameson's in his late thirties and he's been in the Air Force since he was eighteen, he, there's a possibility that he could have taken early retirement and then went into the space program, but still had his rank as colonel. Right.
3: Because that's so. what i was saying. They, they introduced him as a as a colonel, so I was like, okay, is he is he still right. presently military? But but I mean, you know, that's that's
1: still so wearing in the uniform and.
3: Yeah. I did like his introduction, though. Um, he's always a character that – I think he got the Shaft in the uh, the Raimi movies <laughs> pretty bad. Oh, God. It, I forgot he was it, even he, in them, you know?
1: Yeah, I, and he came off as kind of dumb in the Raimi movies. <laughs> uh,
2: I like him in, Sp- in Spidey, too. But.
1: I mean, I like him, too. I'm just saying he kind of came off as uh, not all that bright.
2: Well, I mean, he was just there to be the competing love interest that we barely saw, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's only he's only man. in the film for, like, 20 minutes?
2: Right, at most. By yeah. the way, I just looked it up. Uh, uh, NASA was inaugurated on uh, January 29,
1: 1958. Okay, there you go. But if, but, but I'll buy it. I'll buy it that John Jameson went into the Air Force, and then he transferred over to Sony, but... It's not Sony. Sony. <laughs> we just to spend thirty minutes talking about the clusterfuck that is Sony. By, by the really, way, com- bring com- an
2: Completely random movie <laughs> movie recommendation. By the way, uh, the right stuff is very much about this.
1: Yeah, but um, but I also I like I also like the Darren Norris voice both Jonah and John Jameson, and you wouldn't be able to tell.
2: Mhm. Right,
1: that, that's that's, that's some great voice acting. Anything? Any other uh, impression? Impression Zach. what did you think of this one?
0: I like Steve Bloom's performance as, 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 the, as the Green Goblin, and uh, I, I thought he did a really great job. I think the mystery of the Goblin has done incredibly well, and it starts in this in this particular episode. Um, yeah. I think Wiseman's due diligence in trying to, in trying to make the, the Goblin a true mystery, even though to most fans you know he's going to be who he is. Uh,
2: uh, no spoilers.
1: <laughs>
0: That's what I'm saying. You know, I mean, there, there's a good possibility he is who he's supposed to be, but there's enough red herrings that make you question. I mean, is it is it somebody else? And I think that they do a really fabulous job throughout, the, from this point all the way through the end of the series, in in making you think it's somebody else. So I think that I think the mystery of the goblin begins in this particular episode. Does a very good job of establishing that mystery. You don't know who this character is. And, uh, you know, I think I think the other subplot, the subplot of uh, Otto Octavius is advanced. I think the uh, L. Thompson Lincoln subplot is really well advanced as well. Definitely.
1: Yeah, definitely Lincoln.
0: um, I think you get some foreshadowing of of John Jameson and what and he'll have a big a big major moment later on in the show. So, I mean, just like with every other episode of the series, it's building towards something even better and bigger. And I think that's what makes this show, A, so fabulous, and B, so worth watching, uh, especially yeah, on pre-Blu-ray.
1: Yeah, great. Yeah, I watched it for the first time, these episodes on the new TV that I came home to find the family Christmas gift. We got this uh, 65-inch Samsung smart TV, 1080p, and the, and the series looks beautiful on this. I watched <laughs> these two episodes on it tonight. It was
2: beautiful. I'm giving you the finger, just so you know.
1: <laughs> Sorry, I, I didn't buy it. But okay, um... And there's one moment in this episode that always jumps out at me. It jumped out the first time and it jumped out every time. When that the moment that blade comes out of the glider's mouth, that's a pretty morbid moment, especially since we as geeks all know where that thing is should if things have continued eventually end up.
0: The Green Goblin's crotch?
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> <Been wrong laughs> no, his
1: mouth his mouth.
0: Well, only if they sonify it, okay? I mean, only if they sonify it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, he's supposed to get caught in the abdomen, but for some, when <laughs> you watch the first Raimi movie, it looks like he totally gets nailed in the nuts.
0: Yeah, he does. That glider's
2: a little too low there. Don't no.
0: tell Harry. <laughs> Don't tell Harry. Don't tell Harry.
1: Tell Harry
2: it didn't get me in the go <laughs> And I, I
1: And I, I the, I love the comic. And I love the comic version, impaled not in a cross of gold, but on a stick of humble tin. Mm-hmm. I mean, crucified. Guys, yeah, oh, but that's, that's a more thing. And I'm lo- yeah, crucified. I mean, I'm looking at that blade on it, and I'm thinking the Fox censors would have Fox Kids censors would have hated that blade. Oh, it, it, it would have had
2: either some kind of laser,
1: or 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 it would have had a
2: it would have ran into somebody, and they would have been teleported someplace.
3: Yeah. It would have. Had, it would have had a teleporter on it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, that would have been kind of impossible to do since since the uh, the faceplate on both the hobgoblin and green goblin's gliders was completely flat.
1: Yeah, I mean, this glider actually looks aer- a little bit aerodynamic. <laughs> Right and um, But like I said, I, I like the blade. I like the face in this thing. This is a design, not necessarily the Goblin's costume, which I do like, but I kind of wish this glider design was incorporated into the comics. Mm, yeah. like a well,
0: I mean, it The happen. glider really it had a happen. consistent design? No, yeah, kinda...
1: not really. In the
2: comics, I mean, you remember,
0: mean? it was a flying broomstick to begin with. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. Then it was that gray thing with the uh, flat face. The flat face has been pretty consistent.
0: Yeah. Um, and then there's been some more pointed faces. I, I remember the... Uh, obviously, the, the... the Ross and Drew run. And didn't they have more of a... It wasn't a flat face when Harry had it, was it? Yeah, it was. That's right, that's right. With uh, Sabi Sim, it was a flat face.
1: Yeah, depending on who was drawing it. I know it had a different design when Ramos and then later uh, Terry Dodson drew it. Yeah. But overall, it's been fairly consistent. I mean... One of the more consistent designs in comics, anyway. I really enjoy the Goblin in this episode. He's my favorite villain. I remember before this episode actually aired, about half an hour before it aired, I was on Instant Messenger waiting for it to come on. I had just woken up Saturday morning. Jen IM's me. She has worked on the show, as everyone here knows. And uh, she's like, Green Goblin, are you excited? But She knows I was a Goblin fanboy. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I am. And I was excited and kind of half dreading it because I was thinking, what if, what if they screw up?
2: Oh, Greg! Remember back in the days when we were young enough to get up before noon.
1: Yes,
0: <laughs>
1: well, I do. Well, I do occasionally when I work now. But oh my god, I don't want to talk about my job. Let's move on from there. Well,
0: you know, you know, I, even now that I'm unfortunately unemployed as of yesterday, I uh, I still woke up at six. Forty-five in the morning. I was like, "Oh man,
1: Zach, you're not unemployed. You were fighting the Balrog, and he fell into a chasm, and then he went after Vladimir Putin, and came back and <laughs> joined the White."
0: You're fighting people. the
1: good <laughs> fight, Zach.
0: I am fighting the good fight, pounding the pavement, pounding, pa- pounding Vladimir Putin into pavement. <laughs> <laughs>
2: while while you also have, you're, you're also carrying a boombox that's playing "Are the Best Around" on it.
1: Wait, wait, wait. Does this mean that Vladimir Putin is Sauron? Yes. Okay, you know, you know what's funny? They were going to build a Eye of Sauron like thing in uh, Moscow to celebrate the premiere of the new Hobbit movie, and Vladimir Putin apparently got it was appalled and said, "No,
0: this <laughs> <laughs> is too over the top. We cannot do this. They'll start making fun of me more than they already are."
1: <laughs> no, Vlad, it's too on the nose.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I am Sauron, but don't tell anybody.
1: Yes, yes, okay, madam, but, um, but I like to As the I <laughs> yes, and um, I really liked, it, it, even more now, especially after Gerard and I had dinner with her that night, Mary Jane, I mean, just, and when you meet Vanessa in person, she is that person, she is like that. Very cool, very laid back, and I loved how she under, how she totally understood that Peter had, had to go to work and didn't hold it against him, because... I tend to think that's how MJ would be, and I really suspect this version of MJ knows he's Spider-Man like she did in the comics.
2: Once again, though, common theme though, (laughs) we just never got around to
1: finding out. Yeah, but I, I I think it's pretty obvious to me, especially um, she's, I mean, she's cool, but she's very cool about it, and I, and
3: um, there's a. They established their neighbors in this.
1: No, but Anna Watson lives next door. Okay. Mary Jane still lives with her parents, but she occasionally stays with her aunt.
3: Yeah, which I and,
0: think uh, in season two she actually moves in with aunt Anna.
1: No, she doesn't. She's still just staying there. I mean, we didn't get that. Uh, tr- I think we would have eventually got it. Again, running theme with the show, but but um, not, not quite yet. But, but she is staying right. at uh, Anna's house in group therapy, which is episode 10. But we'll talk about that in a f- few months. <laughs> and um, there's this one line she has with Rand Robertson. It's Randy, right? Very...
0: <laughs> and I'm watching
1: this. And I'm like, wow, no one caught that. I mean, there's double entendres, but there's no double to that thing. That's a single.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's like right on the nose. I think, I think, I think Wiseman probably is. Is, uh, and we'll talk to him about it. But uh, I think he was shocked by that he made through the. Sensors. Yeah, but this is
1: something we didn't talk about last month. But we talked about it with Greg and Vanessa, and how the the network did not want. Mary Jane to say, face it, Tiger, you just hit the jackpot because they felt it made her sound too conceited, and then one of the compromises at one point was, oh, you, you can have Peter think to himself, face it, Tiger, you hit you just hit the jackpot, and the entire time Greg is talking about this, I'm thinking, oh my god, the internet would have hated you if this happened. <laughs>
0: oh yeah, oh yeah. And you know what would have happened? He would have got on the internet and been like, this wasn't my fault, this wasn't my fault, this wasn't my fault. <laughs>
1: But it would have been a black mark on the show, because that's an iconic moment that you just can't screw up. And thankfully, he won that fight.
0: Yeah, I mean, there, there's certain fights that you you got to fight for. and, and uh, if, It seems like he, there's very few times that he's had to have, at least in the conversations that I've we've had with him so far, that he's had to have a real big knockout out fight mm-hmm. over something. I'm, but we, I but think some, but
1: we'll get, yeah, we've got uh, – lot more episodes, I'm sure we'll find some <laughs> conflicts. Yeah, so Yay. But um I but I but I love Mary Jane. I've always been fairly critical of how she's been portrayed in other media and I was really and I'm really happy with this version of MJ. This is the MJ that I've always wanted.
2: Exactly. <laughs> I'm sitting here listening to all that Greg's saying and realizing he's really gonna hate me and he finally getting around to what I have to say about it.
1: Gerard who had dinner with a nice lady, be nice
2: I didn't just have dinner with her. I tasted her tater tots, man. Yes, and they anyway, were delicious.
1: You really did, guys. <laughs>
0: That's not a pessimism. They know. were
1: wrapped in bacon. <laughs> bacon? Really... Yeah, Greg,
0: Greg, 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 Greg. You meant bacon. <laughs> Stop. Right? Stop.
2: Stop what? I'm not talking Stella to anybody tour. specifically. <laughs> All right, sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: All right, Gerard. Go on. <laughs> Let's get this over
2: with. Uh, you know, you know, Mary Jane is my favorite supporting character in comics. She's one of my character. Hosts. I love dearly, and you know that I, I I really like Vanessa Marshall. She's really cool. It was great to meet her in person because she really is a really spectacular lady. No pun intended. Um, I don't like this interpretation of Mary Jane for one reason, one reason only. Between the way she acts dresses, and sounds. She is a little too mature for the age she's supposed to be. Especially been, her voice.
1: Have you been to a high school lately, Gerard?
2: I can't answer this question without possibly raising legal issues.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, I'm done.
0: He's been, the ho- he's been the hobo right outside school grounds drinking a bunch of scotch. Okay, I have a van parked outside. <laughs> All right, about
1: about about ten years ago, when I was working at Barnes and Noble, I was about twenty three at the time. Time there was this girl who would come into the bookstore a lot, and she, and she hung. She would come out. She, she would flirt, and um, we eventually went to dinner. I asked her out, and so we're at Applebee's. We're eating, and we're talking. At one point, and eventually, she talks about about how she's a sophomore. I'm like, oh, well, a sophomore in college. And she said, no, a sophomore in high school. (laughs) She had a pretty deep, husky voice. She had, uh, I'm going to sound really awful here, and I hate what I'm about to say, but she had boobs bigger than my head. And all I'm thinking was, okay, I'm picking up the check. I'm saying goodnight. Don't lie and tell anyone that I touched you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: So... When it comes to the way MJ is portrayed here, yeah, I believe it. And as for the way this MJ dresses, again, have you been to a high school lately?
3: Yeah, I have to agree with Gerard here. She struck me as like, yeah, like mid twenties, as opposed to the other characters who
0: Maybe came like, off as legitimate.
3: I think more eighteen.
0: I think she was, you know, kind of skirting the edge of, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. I bought into it because, again, I've again. If you look at certain high schoolers now, it is kind of like that. I don't know what they're eating, what kind of hormones are put okay, in. Their food. Okay, okay,
2: but it's it's a little jarring next to characters that sound like, um, well. You got. I got in trouble with you for saying that I thought Gwen Stacy had a quote-unquote annoying chipmunk voice, and you told me never to mention that on the air. Sorry, I... we're didn't, on the I, air,
1: dude. Yeah, I know. Sorry, I just
2: mentioned it again. So when you have characters that sound like her and Liz,
3: and then you throw MJ in
2: there, MJ is jarringly older than the rest of them.
3: At least, yeah, I don't think it's it, necessarily just the the looks of the character. It's her her, her cadence and the way she speaks.
2: Right. It's it's as if they threw in like the mid-twenties Mary Jane that we got in the co- we have in the comics, and they just threw her into high school with the rest of them. I don't
0: know. Well, I mean, it's, it's a minor nitpick. I guess. Except that it kind of
2: tamps the character in my eyes forever, because every time she starts talking, I'm like, uh, how old are you? It reminds me of that scene in Not Another Teen movie where uh, that one chick walks in and they're like, what's she doing here? Didn't she graduate like four years ago? Same thing. Mary Jane, what the hell is he doing here?
3: Anyway.
1: (laughs) Anyway, I I loved MJ. I'm sorry. I'm just saying, for me, Vanessa's voice for MJ was the voice I always had in my head while reading the comics without knowing what that voice was. I agree. If
2: she was in her (laughs) mid-20s.
1: Fair enough, fair enough, but... I don't care. I love her as MJ. So yeah,
2: I'll take her over in the '90s MJ any day of the week,
1: though. <laughs> <laughs> any of the other MJs? <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, well, Spider-Man Unlimited Mary Jane. You only got she only got like four lines, and it was, that was Jennifer Hale. Yeah, it was Jennifer Hale. So, so you know, I mean, you can't really judge her on that all that much. It did. It didn't sound weird having Felicia Hardy's voice coming out of Mary Jane. <laughs>
1: jennifer hale jennifer hale's voice acting royalty yep and i've been but but yeah and i like i said i really love the goblin here i love the voice i love how he go it gets really deep and then really high pitched at times to it's manic like the character is i mean he's kind of unpredictable he's a psychopath
2: it's also good for the mystery that you're not having the character played by one of the uh, other voice actors who's playing any of the possible goblin candidates.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I and I remember this. I remember when I was at one of the gathering conventions and Spectacular spider was still in development. They hadn't actually, um, it hadn't aired yet. This is summer of 2007, and we're talking to Greg and and he's and I asked him well, what characters have be cast. And he mentions Norman Osborn. And I say, oh, good. Does this guy do a good Green Goblin as well? And He says we haven't cast Green Goblin yet. I'm like. You just cast Norman Osborn. I'm like, we haven't cast Green Goblin yet. I'm like, what? And he wouldn't say anything more. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? And <laughs> when the episode show aired, I'm like, oh.
2: <laughs> That's a classic Obi-Wan answer. It's true from a certain <laughs> point of view. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, but it's more true this time, but yeah.
2: <laughs> it's a, it's But it's a very good technique. It reminds me of, uh, um, they did the same thing in Mask of the Phantasm. Where the Phantasm had a different voice than
0: the person who ended up St- being. Yeah, I just Stacey bought that yesterday, or a couple of days ago on DVD.
1: Stacey, yeah, Stacy Keats is the voice of the Phantasm, and uh, Dana Delaney's voice of Andrea Beaumont. I love Stacy Keats, because I'm a huge fan of the sitcom Titus, and so when I watched, <laughs> my- Oh <laughs> yeah,
2: it was Titus' dad, right?
1: Yes, he was. <laughs> <laughs> he had
2: every awesome line of that show.
1: Mm-hmm. But yeah, and I... A moment that I really loved in this was every time – every moment that Tombstone was on screen, especially when instead of fleeing like a, coward, like a coward like most villains would tend to, he stays and he helps look for the bomb. My party, my mess. It's a very – to harken back to another villain, Wiseman, it's written, a very David Xanatos moment.
0: Right.
1: And then there's that scene where he just applauds him and it's uh, – it, I love this version of Tombstone. I mean, I know it's he is a placeholder for Kingpin. We all know that, and it would have been Wilson Fisk. Probably should have been Wilson Fisk, but I can't complain about what we got.
0: No, no, really not. And I like the 90s version of, of Tombstone because it really was like the comic version, but this one's yeah, very um, um slim, like uh, stripped down and, and, and a little more of a boss. Like, he, you know...
1: Yeah, I mean, I cannot think of anyone who I would have preferred to see in this particular role if they can't use Wilson Fisk. I mean, what other mob bosses are? There? There's Hammerhead, there's Silvermane. Silvermane shows up later, but... Right.
2: What about I think... uh, Don Silvio? <laughs> Sorry,
1: I'm just trying to think of all the crappy mob boss stand-ins we got in the late 90s. Yeah, so I think for a formidable crime boss that can take <laughs> Spider-Man, on, Spider-Man on hand-to-hand, Tombstone is the perfect substitute.
3: Right. The Owl.
1: <laughs> the Owl. I don't think they have the rights to the Owl. <laughs> He's a Yeah,
0: the devil. Owl I think was tied up tied up with Daredevil.
1: I don't really want to see that guy with his uh green cape and the...
0: Uh, what are you talking about? That would be awesome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Actually, yeah, not that I say it, it
2: would be.
0: <laughs> think, ab- think about it with the uh second season of Daredevil.
2: Actually now that I think about it, didn't they use the owl in the nineties show? Yeah, he was he was
3: in like yeah, one, did, scene.
1: He, one scene. One scene. Would anyone else stand it against me? You, Hammerhead, or you, Owl? Of course, Hammerhead seemed like he was his own crime boss there, and the next time he appears, he's working for t- Silvermane. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. He made he made one too many bets on the horses, and he had to go back to working for Silvermane again. It happens.
1: Yeah, but um, and uh, Jameson has a moment here I like, where he calls Robbie, and then he says, no, I'll cover this myself and save a few bucks. Oh, and uh, maybe you should call the police. <laughs> like an afterthought. <laughs> i mean this is a great episode i thought the uh fight was really well choreographed i love that scene where the goblin leaps over the roof and spuddy's like wow just wow
2: <laughs> you know i made a complaint in the previous episode that uh, i thought the fight went on too long this fight is probably of equal length and the only difference is this one works because we got to see it staged a lot differently where it takes place on a wide range of locations Mm-hmm.
0: Right. I mean, it's, a, I mean it's, it's, it's an expansive fight it's not a, it's not a close quarters fight
1: yeah, I mean it's it's well boarded I love that scene where he's just swinging and the goblin rams him from between a couple of buildings I mean it's a, it's also there's a lot more variety to it the goblin has a lot of weapons and I remember when this episode first aired and some people on a forum which I will not name were like those finger lasers are stupid why did they make those up when did he ever have those <laughs> <laughs> ever, ever. Like, like, Dude, he, had
0: he had the sparklers and the lead did go run
1: yeah, which were kind of weird there. Although here they actually seem like actual weapons.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, the sparklers were I mean, like, hey, look! I just, I just put a sparkler in my finger. Oh, yeah, all those sparklers. sparklers
1: yeah, those sparklers. sparklers became more formidable weapons as the, um,
0: <laughs>
1: as the comics progressed. But yeah, and I, I can't
2: I mean, remember I'm, the last time he used those. I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's used them in, in within the last few years because like Dan Slott is continuity porn. Um, uh, I don't Superior?
1: remember.
0: I don't remember him using them in Superior, actually.
1: I mean, I, I don't, know he use. I, I know he used them in Revelations. I, I remember that. I remember him using. Yeah,
0: he used the yeah, ghosts
2: yeah. in Revelations too.
1: Yeah, he did the ghosts. Wiseman, you forgot the ghosts. You forgot the Sonic Toad. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I don't remember him using it during the you know, Ramos Jenkins run. I don't remember I don't like him used them, them in
3: New Ways to Die. Or New Ways to Wait. Uh, whatever it
0: was. Yeah, New Ways to Die. No Ways to Live was the uh, Kevin Cushing story.
3: Um, right. Uh, i was thinking it was the Venom story.
0: Yeah. yeah. or oh, the anti-Venom but story. Oh, yeah,
3: that was, too. That was, that was. Yeah, was. I mean,
1: he used the razor bats. He used his iconic weaponry, and I'm glad he had the blasts. I I like them. <laughs>
0: oh, me, too. Me, too. I think the last time it was used was uh, Peter Parker in Amazing uh, Volume yeah. 25. Yeah. The Mackie But I
1: was... Yeah, maybe. But one thing that thing, though, this episode and the previous episode, in my opinion, this is where the show grows to be, or before he was fighting villains, like, it felt more villain of the week, and while there are villains per week, now it feels like we're really building towards something. I mean, we always were, but we know what the stakes are, we know who the major power players are, we've met two of the show's main villains, we're going to meet a third one next time.
2: Well, I mean, it's not accidental, I mean, this is a Vic Cook directed this episode, and I, I yeah, didn't check he, the credits, did Wiseman write this one?
1: No, 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 Andrew Robinson wrote this one. Okay.
2: But just check it. But like
1: uh,
2: Vic Cook directing it is a big like sign that this is a kind of a tentpole episode.
1: Yeah, and he's and um, Vic Cook is going to be well. We're showing for those of you listening. You've already heard our interview with Greg and Vic Cook talking about this episode before this one.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Will Gerard be on that episode? (laughs)
1: We'll find out in the past.
2: Exactly. Again, it's a 2015 time travel. But, um, Going
0: back in time. I was thinking
1: The Power of Love, but
2: I didn't <laughs> want to start
0: singing it. But
1: there's a, <laughs> it's that, on everyone's except, mind. Like I said, I, really, I personally really like this episode. I think it fires in all cylinders, and um, and uh, the the, mer- the stuff that fall formal is a lot of fun also. And mm-hmm. I, think, I think just everything about it works. Yeah, this yep. is
2: one of those episodes that comes along every so often where, where it's hard to criticize any significant element of it. Yeah, I know. I just spent the 90% of what I said in this episode, either non sequiturs or complaining about Mary Jane. But to be honest, this is a very, very good episode. It has great action staging. It's one of the better animated episodes too. If you pay attention, there are a lot of little things, little there. Whenever you see like little flourishes of like cloth movement, and especially in people's hands and things like that, you know there's a lot of extra attention being paid to it.
1: hmm
2: And this episode yeah. had a lot of that.
1: And the dialogue is sharp also, I mean, just not everybody, especially... I mean, look, even little lines like Tombstone saying, Security, this man is clearly troubled. <laughs> you have no idea how right you are.
0: <laughs> <laughs> True <It's a> story.
1: <laughs> I mean, and just... And and the banter is great. Also, I mean, it's like after all this time, we have a villain that can keep up with Spidey and the banter.
0: Yeah, I thought I thought that was really well done throughout the entire, really this episode and throughout the entire series.
2: Yeah, yeah, but this is also the first episode where he's fighting somebody that isn't either old <laughs> or a lunkhead, <laughs> right? I mean, other than the shocker.
1: Yeah, other than the shocker. Yeah, well, this is one of the this he is one of Spidey's big bats. I mean, it's always been, even in the comics, it's always been the Goblin, Doc Ock, as much as I hate to say it, Venom, uh, Kingpin, and Hobgoblin.
3: hmm
1: Is there anyone you would add to to, to that?
3: Uh, I wouldn't put Kingpin up there. Kingpin's always been more of a Daredevil villain for me.
2: He goes back and forth, though. He's he, whenever he, when, yeah. the, he's a Daredevil villain mostly, but whenever he shows up in Spider-Man, you know what serious business.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Um did the scorpion ever make an appearance? I can't remember off the top of my head.
1: No. Make way for the scorpion! <laughs> we got a mention of Mac Garvin, but that was it.
0: Okay, that's a lot. So, I mean, those really are the only three. Maybe Sandman, or maybe Hydro Man do the Sand Mud Monster. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? There was this story a with Sandman and, Ar- Sandman and Hydro Man and the giant mud monster that attacked New York? I know, they, what that the hell <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: J.R. Fettinger, if you're listening, this month in Spider History.
2: Oh god, yeah, that that, that story was pretty damn terrible though. Oh Yeah,
0: he, he, that he, Len he Wayne, Wayne run right. in general was terrible. <laughs> on second uh,
1: thought, that, know?
0: that was actually was actually
1: what yeah. I don't know. J.R. we it? Since we don't hate you, don't do that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> was that actually Wolfman or I thought it was Len Wayne? Oh well.
0: No, it was Danny O'Neill.
2: Yes, okay, you're right. I'm sorry, I was
1: confusing Danny O'Neill and Len Wein, you're right. Uh,
0: mud, Danny O'Neill, mud, yeah.
1: Mudman from the creator of Ray Shogul.
0: <laughs> hey, look, man, sometimes people got to
2: pay the bills.
1: <laughs> yes, they do.
0: Yeah, that was a very, that was, oh, that run. That was one of the just mediocre runs in Spider-Man's history up until fairly recently. Especially
2: since it came yeah. right between Wolfman and Cern, right?
0: Yeah. It's sandwiched sandwich right between Wolf and Stern. Wolfman's like awesome, awesome. Yeah. And then you're like Alright, Denny O'Neill, I mean he kicked butt on Batman and then you're like, Uh no. Go home. He's yeah. drunk. Yeah.
1: one one thing though I do like that this episode harkens back to the old days where the goblin didn't want to take control of the gangs. I mean that was that was always fun for me and for me and I do like they left out the part where oh it could have been epic also where okay this is our, my master plan I'm gonna go to a movie studio or <laughs> <we're> going to <laughs> trick them into trick B.J. Cosmos into making a Spider-Man movie. We're going to fly Spider-Man out to Hollywood, drive out into the Nevada desert, and then, when his back is turned, we'll hit him with a rock. I saw that joke from Bertone, <laughs> from Amazing Spider-Man Classics.
2: I don't know what it was with Stan Lee and Spider-Man being jumped in a movie set, because he did the same thing in the comic strip, too, in the first couple of years.
1: He also did it in the Fantastic Four comic with Namor <laughs> making a yeah, Fantastic he did. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't know
0: what the hell
1: Stan's problem was.
0: He just wanted to be in Hollywood, and they're like, "Stan, Stan, Stan, just go, just, just go, get out of here." That is why I,
2: just went, oh, I the millionaire hairdresser Bryce Bountiful, I'm Spider Man. It's one of my favorite panels from the comic strip. It's just so terrible.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, I got. Oh, I got. Quick. Um, what the heck was Mysterio's name in that? Because they didn't. They hadn't given him a name yet in the comics. And he had to come up with his own. It was like Hadley Harper or something like that.
1: I don't know. Um, uh, Catalysts? (laughs) (laughs) It's late. And and I
2: sound drunk, but I swear to God, I haven't had a a, a drop.
1: No, no, I'm I'm having a great time.
0: Yeah, I think we should start, you know, kind of.
1: Okay, we should begin wrapping up. Any other thoughts in this episode from anybody?
2: Uh, If you... Would you call this the quintessential episode of the show to this point?
1: Yes. Okay. To
2: this point, yes. Because I would absolutely agree with you. Of the first seven episodes, this is definitely the best one. Well, yeah. oh, uh, that and the pilot, I think, are, are the two yeah. best ones.
0: Yeah, I would say, I mean, we're going to give grades. A+. Plus. Uh, yeah, A+. Plus. I mean, there's there's very, very little wrong with this episode, so... Uh, definitely an A. It's definitely one of the high points of the, uh, particularly of the first season.
3: Yeah, it's an A for me too. Jesse? Uh, I'm, okay, I was gonna say a B. Plus. Boo, this man! Ah, uh, I know, I know it's not unanimous. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if it's yeah. my favorite episode, but I will say that it, it feels like the most important episode so far. Because kind of piggybacking okay. on, on what Greg said, it was, it, it does seem like things are, or kind of locked down. you can kind of see where the direction is going to go hopefully it's a good yeah, night really the beginning of the season
0: you know you can split this obviously in in three or four ways and but you can definitely split it in two ways this is the second half of the first year now everything pretty much has been established already and this mystery will carry on through the rest of this year and into the next yeah. so it, yeah, it, 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 Spidey,
1: yeah, Spidey. If you thought your life was difficult before, it was a cakewalk compared to what's coming.
0: Yeah, I think that's so, a good way to end in the episode,
3: there, Greg.
1: Yeah, I think so too. So, um, Zach, we're glad to have you. Jesse, Gerard, thank you for joining me. And um, I thought this was a very good review, and I, it was fun. It was fun, guys. Oh.
3: If I can't dance with Pete, I guess I'll dance with. It's Randy, right? Very.